Elton John on RTHK Radio 3 with Are You Ready for Love? Time is now at nine minutes past two o'clock. Are you ready for the Andrew Dambina is my question. Andrew, it's great to speak to you again. How are you doing? Hello, Noreen. I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I, I like the intro there. Are you ready for the Andrew Dambina? Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just yeah. talking to you just now. I love, I love that Elton John song. I really love the piano riff at the beginning, and then the rest of the song is, is so-so, but, you know... It's you've, bit of a classic, isn't it? It is, yes. It's, it's lovely. Yeah. So, what have you got? Oh, by the way, happy belated birthday, uh, my Capricorn oh. brother. Did you have a nice celebration? I did, thanks. Yeah, thanks. And uh, back at you, Noreen, my Capricorn sister, because, yeah, I think our birthdays are about three or four days apart. So, um, yeah, I mean, well, it's five maybe days, like... five really. Five days, but never mind. <laughs> oh, excuse, excuse me. Five days, Noreen, yeah. Um, it's, um, it, I mean, it's, it, as with any, anyone who's having a birthday, I guess for the, most of last year as well, I think I got away with having a normal birthday in a restaurant in uh, January last year before things really kicked off COVID-wise. Um, but, um, but yeah, this time it was, um, um, you know, that uh, superb rule of not having three at a table meant that I couldn't go to a restaurant with my wife and son. So it was, uh, instead, we, uh, we ate at home. Um, did and you it was very order nice. in or did you cook something nice? What did you do? Well, um, because the week before that, and I may have mentioned this, um, it, was my, it was a big birthday of my son's and we ordered in a pretty fancy um a restaurant got a got a takeaway sent to uh some other family members of five of us in total decent spacing of course between each person and um and we uh we got a takeaway from a nice restaurant and it was cold upon arrival so uh, rather than do that again yeah. yeah and it wasn't really very far it was less than 10 minutes away so um um, yeah, and instead we uh, we we cooked at home, and it was uh, it was hot at the table and very enjoyable. Thank L- you. Lovely, lovely. Well, yeah, maybe yeah. here's to next year. Hopefully, we'll be able to to go out for dinner. That's two birthdays for me that I wasn't able to to, to go out for. I mean, because last year. My, well, my, the, the, the last birthday was COVID, and then last year's birthday, um, I had a newborn, so I, I couldn't go out for that either. Well, good luck, uh, yeah, for, for, good for luck you for and everyone. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hope this thing's passed with all the vaccinations and whatever else, you know, um, that, it's, uh, that it's back to something resembling normality would be good, wouldn't it? That's right. Um, yeah. So, um, Noreen, last time we spoke, this time last week, we were talking about um, the food industry's predictions for 2021. And um, um, for a, a very extremely short pricey, for those who missed it, it boiled down to things like transparency of labelling, plant-forward ingredients instead of, uh, instead of meat, um, dining out-style branding, and being in tune with uh, food science and immunity-inducing food and drink. And there are a couple of interesting things on uh, um, food and drink product mashups, mixing um, unusual combinations of ingredients. That was another thing. And um, a rise in comfort foods with a twist. This was from the research of uh, um, uh, one of the biggest producers of, uh, of flavorings and dairy products in the U.S. with the help of uh, some scientific studies in the U.S. that they had uh, um, that they quoted in their report. Um, so this week, 
I wanted to mention something from a more consumer magazine angle because um, there wasn't time to mention it last week. And uh, um, it was top food and beverage trends for 2021 from a very interesting article from Forbes magazine. So more from a consumer angle. It puts grocery, no surprises, at the top of its list due to the whole world waiting for you know COVID to end um, and the at-home business of dining still being um, the thing that people are most engaged in. So it kind of speaks for itself. Grocery is, is a big trend in people spending more money on um, grocery products to eat at home. Next is expect fewer restaurants. Expect Noreen, fewer can... restaurants? Yeah, expect so, fewer restaurants. So well, they'll the... just close down or, or people are exactly. not... Exactly. Oh, no. Exactly. Well, I mean, the bad news is that there's no surprise that there will be fewer restaurants, right? I mean, uh, I think I've mentioned before, and it's not the only area, but if anybody takes a walk down Elgin Street in Soho um, these days, it's it looks like it's more than half shuttered um, old restaurants that are, do, that are out of business. Yeah. It's but a really sad like, thing. I feel like in Hong Kong it's always been a bit like that because rent is just so high. I feel like it's not because people are eating less, uh, eating out less, but I feel like because landlords are... Um, oh. a bit greedy well, here in Hong Kong and, and that every time you know business is doing well they'll just raise the rents by 20-30% <laughs> well that's true that, there's no doubt in that at all but um, it, the Elgin Street thing is not just from 2020 it's also from uh, 2019 where the um, uh, unrest on the streets and people being a bit concerned at certain times uh, put pressure on restaurants to be able to meet those high uh, rent and staff costs. Yeah. So it was a kind of a two years in a row. It's been really hard for some places to survive here. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the 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 Forbes um, uh, survey or article, I should say, is more kind of US focused. But I think a lot of what it mentions can be applied to here as well. They say that in America, it's going to take until 2022 before fast food, and in their case, something that hardly existed, drive-through, um, and delivery um, restaurant business can fully recover. And they say until 2024 or later, before sit-down restaurants can prosper as normal. That's a long time, for remembering they didn't have the protest. They've had COVID, which didn't start as early in America as it did here, although they have had far larger number of people affected. So that's... That's a bit bleak. They also say that, um, that, that celebrity chefs will have to uh, pivot, in their words, um, along with the shutdown of restaurants that we mentioned. Star Chef will be uh, um, opening pop-ups in the place of restaurants that they will have shut down in spaces which might be short-term rentals where they get a better deal or at chef friends' restaurants or even from their own domestic kitchens and do a kind of chef's table in their own home, domestic home. Mm. So um, they will also top chefs, uh, independent ones who aren't in hotels or, um, you know, head of big restaurant groups, will forego fancy dishes for elevated comfort food. The, 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 the term comfort food coming in again there. Um, and Forbes says, think the best possible barbecue or sauces that knock your, your socks off for the ultimate roast chicken and uh, such ideas as that, they say. So um, 
and bringing the thing forward um, in projections or forecasts for fewer restaurants, they say that inevitably this will lead to higher menu prices. Um, you know, fewer restaurants, the ones that exist, can charge more. Um, but uh, it isn't all bad, they say. Wages will increase in response to calls for gender and racial equality in payments, which they believe doesn't exist at the moment. There are surveys coming out of the US in food um, titles, publications all the time, which do point to uh, um, certain types of race and gender being paid less still. In a place that we tend to think, America, of things being a bit more equal than others or more equal, you'd imagine, than... Uh, um, you know, than perhaps in our own region of the world, but that uh, doesn't seem to be the case. So that's that, that, that's that point. And uh, the next the next uh, trend for this year, says Forbes, that it predicts is uh, reduced human interaction, not only between diners themselves, but with serving staff as well. So eating out in 2021, when it resumes in some form, probably won't feel as warm and friendly as it had done before 2020. They say bye-bye to buffets. Will be, it will be saying bye-bye to buffets and sharing platters with other people at the table and hello QR codes or um, touchless ordering and paying the bill instead of having a bit of a natter with your serving staff, whether it's uh, limiting the number of uh, menus or putting up more barriers or pouring your own wine instead of having people do it for you in restaurants that warmth between diner and staff is likely to be um, kind of put on ice a little bit. Mm. That's what they say. It's true. I'm so. a bit sort of funny about buffets now. I mean, I don't, I don't think I've been to one since, um, since the pandemic because I'm a bit worried. You know, people picking mm. up the same serving utensils and people sort of walking around, um, yeah. sometimes maskless. I don't know. Yeah. Have you been to a buffet I, I, since or...? No, I, I haven't. I haven't, and I wouldn't. And an interesting thing about that that I've thought of before is that I remember when SARS happened, that some hotel restaurants, in particular, and some other independent or group restaurants, made a point of saying we're not doing buffets. I remember getting receiving press releases from restaurants um, saying, um, "What? Well, that's one of the things we're doing." It hasn't happened so much this time, and I, I think it may have happened a bit at first. I heard in some hotels. They didn't make a big song and dance about it, but they were reducing buffets or stopping them in certain restaurants. Um, but that has not happened uh, in recent months. Could be the COVID fatigue that we're hearing mm. about. But, um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't fancy, like you're saying, picking up a, a serving thing. Here, that, that trend we were talking about was not having sharing platters on the same table. They did mention buffets as well. But, but yeah, I wouldn't fancy picking up a... Um, you know, a kind of salad uh, spoon and fork or whatever that, that, that some stranger's just yeah. been uh, helping themselves with. It's a real vessel. <laughs> it's a real yeah. vessel for, for for transmission. Do you remember when yeah. that um, the, the pandemic outbreak on uh, what's that? Uh, uh, Diamond Princess. Hot pot. Um, and hot pot. Yes, hot pot is yeah. another one. Uh, I think uh, was it uh, the, on the cruise ship? Do you remember? Oh, um, yeah. Diamond yeah, yeah, Princess. Yeah. I'm sure they had buffets there for breakfast or for lunch or for dinner. Um, yeah. And then I think... there was that super spreader. Do you remember who went to Singapore for a conference and he went back to the UK? I'm sure at the conference mm. there would be buffets and stuff. So it's just such You're a... right. Anything, anything that involves a lot of people, whether it's um, a, a popular 
hotel brunch restaurants or cruise liners definitely mm. and also conference things it's a uh, yeah i mean it's a kind of a uh, not budget but it's a kind of economic solution as well as getting people through something fast uh, in the t in the case of uh, a, a commercially charged tables to get them through buffets are used um um a lot and it's um i mean yeah it's another one of those um pro probably one of those white elephants uh, sorry not white elephants elephants in the room something staring us in the face which uh which should be addressed more specifically rather than shutting down uh restaurants after 6 p.m for example it could be not allowing buffets to be um served you know targeting uh, areas where things are more likely to transmit and the other the other one which is one of my old chestnuts that i've been dumbfounded is still going on you know not having any restrictions whatsoever on public transport just totally ignored it's you know it's it's i'm not saying it's an easy thing to do um but um but but there have been no regulations whatsoever on public transport we've just heard of uh of uh, one ferry company now having uh um, having some cases, half a dozen cases of COVID. And, um, yeah, I mean, it would be easily passed. Any, any, anything, whether it's food-related or with people in close proximity, um, is going to um, be account, almost certainly, for, um, for, for some of these, uh, um, you know, unaccountable cases, I think. It's, uh, I mean, I, I'm saying that with no, with no evidence, but I just think that they're, that they're more likely to have the... Uh, whether it's someone sharing the same serving spoon at a buffet or um, or putting their hand down on an aluminium uh, or plastic seat on public transport after someone who's got the infection has put their hand there. It's just pretty obvious, isn't it? Yeah, don't even anyway, get me started. Anyway, going a little bit off topic. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, don't even get me started about schools and playgrounds because, you know, in the outdoors. But never yeah. mind, never mind. Okay, yeah. so back to yeah. trends. Um, One thing, so I just want to interject here, um, Andrew. One thing that uh, we didn't talk about uh, was sugar. And it's been on my mind uh, a lot and because I, I do enjoy the soft drink, the occasional soft mm -hmm. drink. Um, And I've noticed a lot of them have, have gone to, zero, to say zero sugar or no sugar added. And they're really, really big so i was googling it and i think that might be a big trend uh, in the year 20 well i think it's been like that for a while now but i think it'll get even bigger in 2021 where a lot of uh, drink labelings will will or, or or labels will say no added sugar or or yeah. you know some sort of sugar alternative um i, I haven't know, have you noticed yeah. that i mean i mean as you say this is one which i think uh like like some of the other transparency and labeling i think it's alongside I think the type of sweetener that is in something would be alongside the um, flavorings, preservatives, and um, the provenance or where something came from. So if the, if the mm. meat or even vegetables or, or dairy come from a certain place, just more and more information about these things, just to give people the choice. I haven't come across anything specifically about sugar in the last one to two years, but I think it's yes. been part of the package of transparency uh, of labelling that people demand and not having so much sugar is definitely one of those things. It's also sure. the language they use as well. Rather than saying, um, I won't say the brand name, but rather than saying something zero, they will say yeah. no added sugar because they want to make sure people are reading the words no sugar. So I've noticed yeah, that. getting that message. Yeah, I've noticed that, yeah, with a lot of uh, various um, soft drinks. Anyway. If, if you're ever yeah. in a supermarket, have a look.
Yeah, yeah, right, will do. And I think I have kind of noticed it as well, yeah, for snacks as well. It's, um, it is definitely uh, something that people, it's more in demand and the manufacturers have uh, picked up on that and are trying to do something about it, including labelling, for sure. Yeah. Um, the, um, uh, w- one of the last things about at-home dining is that for, for cooks who are uh, itching to travel, as most of us are, whether you're a cook or not, um, Forbes is saying expect them to enjoy uh, their spice cabinets more as they start to cook up dishes that are from places that they would like to go. That's kind of interesting. Um, so shopping locally, but uh, thinking globally about what they're cooking and looking for exotic flavors and ingredients because after a year or however many months in different places than Hong Kong, people have been uh, just indoors doing lots of cooking and having to eat domestically or or ready-made meals, they might feel more adventurous in trying something new with a more exotic flavor of places where they've enjoyed traveling in the past. As we see all of these um, holidays of my past memories that float around social media, um, they might uh, try conjuring something uh, for themselves or their families or whoever to eat. So um, restaurants have become uh, uh, a bit savvy about uh, about this and are producing some of their own mixes. We've talked about that a little bit before, I think. And um, some restaurants in uh, America, um, more than more than I've noticed here. Here, there are restaurants where where ingredient packages are being sold now, not in huge quantities, but there are some where you get the components in. Uh, in separate lots plus a recipe to make something at home. Um, now that the 6 p.m. restriction for eating in restaurants um, has been around for a while, not for the first time, um, restaurants are doing this so that people can try to cook some of the dishes they knew from those restaurants with little amounts of ingredients to throw it together yourself rather than simply a takeaway. That's kind of interesting because people have got the time to do it now more than ever. Exactly. So, um, yeah. Um, and also, some restaurants are selling um, uh, professional cookware uh, and really and fancy cutlery, which um, are sometimes stamped with restaurants' logos as a self-promotion thing, but other times are just to make people feel that there's something a little more special about about some of the meals, if not all of the meals, that they're eating at home because we're doing it so much more often now. So it's uh, try, trying to get a feeling of mealtime being a bit more special than something that you do sometimes and other times you might go out. Um, uh, finally, the, uh, the trend from, uh, from Forbes, which they've said, is cooking with leftovers will become more mainstream. Uh, and for some chefs in restaurants, there's nothing new about cooking with bits of cuts of vegetables or meat or whatever that has not been put onto the plate. Um, there are certain chefs, including Michelin star ones in America, um, one of the most famous Italian chefs, Massimo Botturo, who has won um, Best Restaurant of the Year award um, in, uh, in America, and he's got yeah, three Michelin stars. Uh, and other chefs also are people who do have been advocating using um, ingredients that, uh, that are left over from cooking for a while. Uh, we, we've seen a little bit of that in Hong Kong now and then. Um, not so much, but I remember reporting on one uh, restaurant that opened in uh, uh, Chin Choi, an Australian restaurant called Hue, um, where uh, uh, yeah, clever, clever. We we, they were, we had a feature on the chef there, but 
the uh, what we didn't hear about was that uh, his uh, bar manager, his head, the head of the bar at that restaurant, uses um, certain elements from the uh, kitchen to uh, to blend into cocktails or to use as garnish for cocktails in a very um, uh, sort of use every element way of thinking. So um, I think in Hong Kong as well, for people to um, it's been happening for a few years, but not as long as in other places, talking about reusing things. It's taken a while, I think, for Hong Kong to get into the concept of, of doggy bags in restaurants, which... Uh, Right. Well, um, great timing, Anders. We'll continue uh, till after the 2.30 news, uh, but a quick look at right. Welcome back to the one two three show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Tuesday afternoon. Andrew Dembina is with us this afternoon. Andrew, we were talking about uh, food trends of uh, 2021, and you mentioned a, a number of them. I really like comfort food because it's true. I think 2020 has been a year of challenges, and it's sometimes nice to, to seek comfort uh, through your food, maybe not the healthiest way, but it's a way to, to get some sort of comfort and, and a love. Um, so uh, the one more thing I wanted to add to, to the list is I was surprised you didn't mention it. Did you mention uh, fermentation? You're big on the kombucha. You make your own sort of fermented <laughs> goods. Um, I, I don't think this is a new trend. I think it's a trend that will continue. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Are you still making your kombucha? I've got to say, um, I'm, I'm the only one in my family of three um, who was who was drinking it, and I was turning this stuff around every couple of weeks because that's what you have to do when you're fermenting it. You do end up with uh, a certain amount of the uh, of this fermented tea, which is meant to have uh, and I think does have live um, probiotic uh, elements in it. Um, but my, uh, I think my my wife and son got so so tired of it and they never really liked it anyway it's a quite uh, I, mean, I know you've tried it it's I'm quite sorry, a vinegary <laughs> yes. taste yeah did you not really like it anyway unless it was the one that was with some steeped berries in it yeah it, it was interesting i, I liked it yeah it's yeah. fine that, that, that's not a convincing answer sounds like you hated it noreen just sorry <laughs> let me rephrase it was really good yeah. <laughs> i couldn't believe it was no, homemade no. No, but you know what? That's the kind of it's the, that's the that's the kind of thing that my that my family was saying, and um, and I'm not I'm not really so mad on it myself. It's okay. I, I like the thought of it being good for you for the gut health. Um, but um, so in short, it's such a I balance. Put, you you want something that's healthy for you, but you don't want it to taste like, you know, mm. you can't say that word, but you know, you don't want it to taste so bad that you don't like it. You don't want to drink it. <laughs> You mean you don't want it to taste like what uh, Crystal Quark said it looks like when she came into the studio? She said it looked like pee, <laughs> didn't she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did. No holding back with uh, with that presenter. Um, she, um, yeah, it's. Uh, so I'm not really doing it. I've got it now in um, what is called a Scoby Hotel. Bit of a funny old phrase to say the least. But it's um, which means that the Scoby, the thing that's active and ferment the uh, the tea and, and gives it that uh, probiotic content that just keeps going in cycles every time you make a new one every one to two weeks um, is um, is in what's kind of, you know, weirdly called a hotel. It's it's kind of in a, uh, a state of um, having, uh, having a bit of time off, like a hotel sounds like. It's an like, actual thing. I just Googled a SCOBY hotel. It's some sort of maintenance for, yeah. your, for, 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 the, for the SCOBY. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it also That's it also so allows weird. you to do 
yeah, it, it allows you to do what I'm doing. Basically, I, I, I Googled what do you do if you want to take a break, you know, from, uh, from making kombucha, and this, this, this whole concept came up at a Scobie Hotel, which means that... How long um, do you keep it you... for in the hotel, well, as long, in the jar? As long as, as long, yeah, yeah, as long as it's covered, um, covered with some air allowed, some ventilation, so perforated cover, um, and, uh, and that the, the, the water, the, the liquid level remains uh, to a certain amount... Um, it can be kept for a few months, I believe. So, um, I mean, I will, uh, I will probably resume it maybe when it gets a bit warmer. You've got to keep and, checking um, on it because it's prone to. You oh can, yeah, you can no, get infections and bad scobies, yeah. and I don't know. It just yeah. kind of looks a bit. It looks like a mollusk. Kind of looks like a it, a snail. It, it, I mean, it looks. It just looks like a kind of. Uh, it's grown it, 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 from being something that looks a bit like a jellyfish. It now looks like a uh, a very thick coaster or a mat that you put on a table for a hot dish or something at the top of it. But it's not. There's no. Yeah, I will certainly be checking it, and I've I've read up on it. And uh, um, it, it's in in humid, hot temperature. You've got to be a bit more careful. Some people believe you can put it in the fridge. Other people don't. There's a lot of uh, opinions one way or another about several things. But I was certainly the only thing I really want to check it for, which certainly hasn't happened, is any kind of um, discoloration or mould or anything like that. Or uh, yeah, there are there are various things on the road that I that I've read up on. But I'll uh, I'll let you know the old SCOBY process and uh, whether it comes back into action. Sure. So, but uh, but it, but it no, but it didn't come up um, on any of the trends because I think it's just become one of those things along with people having I don't know um, maybe alternative sweeteners like you sort of alluded to before or um, or having uh, I don't know different types of ingredients or less less meat and um, maybe looking at gluten as being a reason that you might not feel so great and things like that. I think it's just become. One of those, uh, one of those elements. When I mentioned I was doing it to a couple of people that I was making it um, from about six to eight months ago, to some people, they they uh, they said, "Oh yeah, that was popular in California a few years ago." And it's um, so I think it's uh, I think it's been around for a while. On those global trends, it just doesn't doesn't really register quite. Mm. So the last the last thing on that Forbes list was the uh, battling against food waste. Yes. And um, I know, I know you're, yeah, I know you're, um, um, you know, uh, heard, heard you mention recently, maybe even been yesterday, you know, about about waste in general that's been generated during the COVID time. So what people are saying are in the lines of uh, of what's been going on as a kind of a environmentally aware um, lifestyle in America with some of these chefs who are mentioning that they use different. Uh, bits and pieces of offcuts that might have been thrown away years ago. Um, they're trying to get them into their back into their dishes, soups to make stocks with, um, and and other and other such things. So maybe it's time for people to try and do the same. There are some people who are um, not getting the same salaries that they were, um, you know, during this whole period. And it's also an economical way to. Uh, to be, um, you know, to use what to use what you have instead of bidding it, as well as the 
environmental impacts that it will cause. Ah, absolutely. Um, but I do think... We often talk about it on the One Two Three show. We get, we get Daisy Tam from the Baptist University, and and she often talks about it's not just about and it's not just the fight against you know for the environment. It's also the greater implications for food security and something that we don't really yeah. think about. And it's something that we don't have to think about in Hong Kong. But sadly, no. you know, it, it, we should think about it because it just doesn't affect poor people. It can affect us as well. And we should be doing our part. Oh, yeah. That's a good... Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't think that would make it onto the Forbes list. That's interesting. Yeah, it is, it is interesting. Yeah. And, you know, um, when I've uh, interviewed chefs and spoken to chefs, um, you know, it's, they, they, they do this automatically anyway. And interestingly, even in some of the most, fi you know, five-star five pricey hotels with restaurants to match of a, you know, high cost, um, they do not waste things. And it's been going on for, for years. So, I mean, every time they boil or roast a chicken, that, those, that, that carcass, those bones are never thrown away. They're Goes used into to the make stock. stock. Yeah. Yeah. And same same with fish bones and other seafood as well. They go into stock, sauces. Um, it's all part of budgeting for a restaurant. Why shouldn't it be for home, really? Mm. Um, but it, of course, it takes a lot more time to do so. Um, and is uh, you know when people might want to be relaxing. But I think uh, it's it's uh, yeah something that people should think about. Yeah. So that's that's that. Um, something I want to mention from. Uh, Overseas in the news last week that uh, some people may have heard of, as the UK government announced that the nation would go into pandemic lockdown once again, um, alcohol sales, takeaway alcohol sales, were banned in England for the first time during the whole COVID period. Now, to clarify, that means from uh, a takeaway, as in from hospitality outlets such as restaurants, bars, or or hotel outlets. So. Um, Drinks Business magazine reported that according to government guidelines, off licenses, that's for people that don't know, that's shops that sell alcohol um, only or mostly, uh, shops that just sell that, are once again deemed as essential retail. It's funny to think of off licenses <laughs> the, as essential retail. These corner they're, shops, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they're permitted to remain open during, during, during the lockdown, along with supermarkets and... Uh, other food shops. I was always because yeah. uh, I was always surprised. I went to um, the UK for university, and I was always sort of um, I don't know uh, amused by off licenses. The the range of things that you find there, sort of lottery cards. You can find you you can buy meat there. It's sort of like a Seven Eleven, but you can buy all sorts of groceries there. Um, it's mm. like a co op kind of thing and i was always um, kind of because we don't get that in hong kong i mean you can't buy cheese you can't really buy veggies or meat from uh 7-eleven or circle k so uh, i don't know it's, it's like a special kind of convenience store mm, they they did become more that way i think uh when i when i remember off licenses the only thing that they sold apart from booze was cigarettes oh. and it was uh it was they they became i think they became more and more a little grocery store, but for things that you mentioned, more in line with someone who's having a drink because um, they might not have been doing well enough from drinks alone when supermarkets became huger and huger and started having really big drink sections. So, uh, I mean, certainly when I when I grew up, um, the, uh, the super supermarkets had a really poor selection of, uh, of drinks and... Uh, at that time, they weren't nearly as large as they have been for the last kind of decade or two. So it's, um, yeah, it's um, the, the, the good um, drink shops in Hong Kong, though, 
um, uh, when they are freestanding shops, really rarely sell any other snacks. It's, uh, um, but uh, yeah, so those are those are deemed essential shops, along with supermarkets and other food shops in the UK. But hospitality outlets, including pubs, uh, restaurants, and bars, uh, are not allowed to sell uh, a- alcoholic drink takeaway, which they had been for the whole of the pandemic mm. until now. Uh-huh. They are allowed to sell food. Um, so this has had a number of uh, different members of the uh, either those, those kind of bars and uh, and restaurant uh, owners up in arms about this in the last uh, week. Uh, they feel they've been unfairly targeted. Um, so someone from a, a pub that's been around uh, called the Red Lion and Sun in uh, in North London in Highgate, um, the the owner says that um, it's it seems that pubs cannot be trusted to sell takeaway booze despite the fact that we've been doing it on this site safely for centuries. He's basically saying lots of other diseases and pandemics had come and gone in the UK. Um, so, um, so there's been a lot of resentment about it, including from uh, uh, associations of breweries who, uh, who see um, the, the, they, they see the kind of the, the real freshly made stuff as suffering and, it, and all, all the business is going to go to supermarkets. So, um, the, uh, the effect has been noticed uh, um, already after this announcement as uh, supermarket shelves have been stripped of a lot of alcoholic drinks um, in the last five or so days. There have been reports from over there that shelves are bare. Um, it's funny how, not funny really, but it's interesting how different uh, objects or items have disappeared. You know, we had, of course, toilet roll and all these different things. Now it's um, it's alcohol because people won't be able to, they fear, they fear a scarcity. So it's panic mode because they're not being sold from these, uh, not allowed to be sold from restaurants and, yeah. uh, and bars. But they can still so, buy alcohol from supermarkets, right, in the UK? Yeah, they can. So, so they've been so so the customers have been clearing the shelves of these now. Oh. You know, in a in a kind of old toilet roll earlier in the year last year style. The uh, the the wine and beer and other alcohol sections have been. Uh, you know, they've now sort of some of them got empty shelves. That's well, the thing that's going on in in Australia, I, I think it's sort of different laws in different states. But in New South Wales, mm. you you can't buy um, alcohol from supermarkets. You have to go to like oh. a, a licensed place, like Dan Murphy's or something like that. So it'll be part of the supermarket complex, but it's not. So you can't just go into Coles or Woolies or something to buy um, alcohol. It has to be from a, a licensed place. So well, oh, right. yeah. So I suppose, yeah. I suppose it's still better in the UK. You can step into a supermarket to buy it. We're spoiled here in yeah. Hong Kong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Which which also brings me to to the point that you mentioned, I think maybe it was last week or two weeks ago, um, people sort of bartending at home, people going on YouTube channels or going online to find um, uh, cocktail uh, yeah. recipes. I suppose that will yeah. be down the drain a little bit. But I feel like people are doing that because um, I've been doing that. Um, <laughs> I feel like people are doing well, it just because I'm doing it. You, no, um, but I feel like more people are sort of doing bartending at home and and doing uh, making cocktails at home. Have you been doing that yeah, also? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I have. You've um, always did, done it. Well, I, I guess I guess I, I guess I've had an interest in doing it before, but I might have tried different drinks that I wouldn't try before. I mean, I've had I enjoyed a couple of different uh, types of port around uh, around the end of uh, last year. Ah. I just thought I'd try try a couple of different. Uh, Different types and different aged ones, and that was that. That was interesting. So not really the mixing stuff, 
But I did uh, think I uh, don't know if I told you this uh, on or off air, but um, but because did I tell you we didn't go to a Christmas gathering that we were going to go to that uh, that would have had probably a few people um, too many, uh, or there were, and also there would be people who had just come over from the UK and there was this new virulent, um, virulent strain that I was worried about. Yeah. So. Um, one thing I've become aware of, Noy, I don't know, can you hear background noise at my end? I know I'm asking you this on air, but are you okay or can you hear background noise? No, I can't really hear it. Okay. No. Okay, good. No, because there is a bit. So I won't go into what it is, but I can hear noise very close to where I'm talking from now. Now right. I'm really okay. curious. What's going on in the background? No, I'm just joking. Well, well, oh, okay. No, okay. No, I don't. <laughs> I, won't, I, won't, I won't share that with you. It's not. Uh, um, kids. Kids on a trampoline that my next door neighbour has chosen to put next to a dividing wall. Okay. Oh, interesting. That's, that's, oh, yeah. that's nice. Really interesting. Yeah. So, um, okay. I only me aware of it. Good. Um, there, there was another item I wanted to mention, which was um, uh, in uh, in COVID-dominated uh, 2020, now spilling into 2021, of course, an article in a U.S. healthy eating publication that I mentioned now and then called Eat This, Not That, um, offered uh, five grocery store items that help you combat COVID. Now, I know we've touched on this before, but um, it's grocery items, so it's not only things that are from uh, supermarket shelves. Um, care, to, uh, care to take any guesses there, Noreen? Put you right on the spot. <laughs> No, no warning whatsoever. Just, I but it's, but it, I know you love it when I do that, don't you? But it, but I'll, I'll give you a clue. Okay. Um, you'll find a, you'll find a couple of them on nutritional and vitamin supplement shelves of grocery stores rather than ingredients shelves. So that's 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 one thing. I won't. I'll, I'll leave that to permeate with you for a moment while I tell you what the first one is on their list. Okay. Green tea, green tea. Ah. In a co, yeah, in a co-authored report. Um, in uh, December by Professor Dei Yuxier, who's, um, that's a Chinese name, but, uh, but he's a specialist in plant and microbial biology at North Carolina State University. Um, it, it suggested that specific chemical compounds in green tea are to be noted that have an ability to inhibit the main enzyme in something called SARS-CoV-2. I don't know if you've heard of that. That's the that's actually the uh, the virus that causes COVID nineteen. So it's a precursor to COVID nineteen. It's called SARS CoV two, and they they um, the study has said that uh, in case studies or experiments that they've done, they believe that it has uh, the ability to inhibit that main enzyme. Um, so green tea has five tested chemical compounds that binds to different sites in the uh, in the M-Pro enzyme, as it's called. I'll try and not get into the technicalities too much. But essentially, that overwhelms the, um, the enzyme to do its function of passing on to create the virus uh, that causes COVID-19. So, okay. the, these, the, yeah, these, these studies are, uh, um, are, have, been, have been kind of... They're in early stages, but they demonstrate medical applications of, uh, of of the extracts within green tea which are expected to go a long way um that's there have been several reports on that um so that's that's kind of interesting 
Um, another one, I won't go further into that, uh, into the scientific uh, detail, but people can look that up and read. Um, dark chocolate was another common grocery item that shows promising results uh, to also inhibit the enzyme. Again, the same, the same one that, uh, that is in SARS-CoV-2, which can then go on to create the virus. Once it uh, comes into uh, contact with different chemical compounds, that SARS-CoV-2 um, can, uh, uh, can be contained it is suggested in, in various studies to um, to not develop further. So green so, tea and dark chocolate. I'm going to take a yeah. guess. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I don't know, mushrooms. Yeah, interesting, <laughs> interesting. Next one, ne- next one is, is actually muscadine grapes, a type of grape. Oh. So, um, yeah, there's, um, there are two types of this muscadine grape which come from the, uh, the southern parts of... Uh, and central parts of the United States, um, and they have certain properties again, which in, inhibit the uh, beneficial compounds, which stop um, the uh, the initial uh, elements to develop into COVID-19. Once again, um, the other ones which I said you can find on your um, nutrition vitamin and nutrition supplement shelves are vitamin D, which you probably all heard about, yeah, a little bit. It's um, so that's it's uh, international studies have shown that uh, vitamin D, especially D3, can help to lessen the severity of COVID-19 symptoms if it's uh, if people do get COVID-19. Um, so researchers and doctors believe that it's uh, partially possible because of the uh, vitamin D's ability to support immune functions. So that's. Um, which can help um, the uh, not developing into an infection in the first place as well. That's so, well, so I suppose, yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to find the link because you can get vitamin D from sun, from, from, from sunlight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then UK doesn't strike me as a place that's particularly sunny. So maybe that's well, no, why that, they have a lot of infections. But then the severity, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, I heard, on, I heard on UK radio as well that, that um, vitamin D has been... Uh, um, recommended for people to take in the UK because exactly that point that you make that there isn't a lot of sun people who are getting a lot of sun or people are being encouraged to get out into the sun in some other countries um, so they get natural vitamin D from sun exposure. Maybe that's why Australia and um, New Zealand are doing such a great job in isolating the virus, I don't know because it's quite sunny maybe. there. Uh, no, I'm just thanks making the, it up. Thanks, thanks, <laughs> thanks to the hole in the ozone layer above them yeah maybe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, could be unfiltered sun. Yeah, um, and uh, well, the last one in that eat this, not that recommendation um, for things to eat to stave off COVID, in their opinion, is zinc. Mm. And uh, as is the case with vitamin D, zinc is also thought by many uh, and in studies been said to be crucial to supporting the immune system and therefore giving a higher resistance against COVID just because of that. Exactly. 
well. And yeah. zinc is a really important mineral. It helps you uh, better absorb vitamin C as well. And we always talk about how important vitamin C is. You know, sick. If you're sick, have some vitamin C, have some orange juice. Anyway, Andrew, I think we're out of time uh, for today. Yeah. Thank you so much for sure. all your sharing, all the trends and all the uh, COVID-fighting food that we can have. Of course, uh, do your own research, uh, as, as always, to our listeners. Um, and stay healthy and active. And thank you very much indeed for your time today. And that's Andrew Dambina, our food and drink reporter. Thank you. Thank you, Noreen.